Are you ready? Woo! You're ready for this? It's alive! Do I leave that in? What the hell's in there? It's weird. It's the title of your sex tape. Goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Game over, man. Game over. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. Don't fall. 140 episodes in and not one copyright claim on any of our intro music. Woo! <laughs> As if that's what I've been thinking about this whole time. Oh, my Lord. Well, no, isn't it, isn't it like fair play? If we talk about it, then we're not plagiarising, we're reviewing it. No. Yes, according to American law, which I don't think applies to us. Crap. Australian copyright law is bullshit. It's Australia. We have no laws. No, the duck is prime minister. <laughs> Rum was once our currency. <laughs> We're fine. We're fine. For a country that you literally used to have alcohol as a currency, mm-hmm. we're not doing that badly. Actually, I mean, I see. I don't. I don't think we've <coughs> actually moved that far away from. Alcohol as a currency. No. Because I know the man's like, oh, can you help me with this job? You buy him a carton. Can you help me with this? You buy him a bottle. So I think our country is still largely run on alcohol. Well, yeah. I mean, enough. I mean, I worked in politics long enough to know that it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, and sometimes you just got to get through the day. Yeah. Oh. I, I have a, I'm, now I'm drinking chai. Oh. But it's not like, you know, proper chai. It's like the bad discount supermarket. So it's basically tea with cinnamon. Isn't chai chai? It's like it's just a kind of tea, isn't that like isn't that like saying naan bread? Like yeah, it, you're you, just saying bread bread. Isn't you, chai just like urdu for tea? Yeah, but you're like, oh like it's the bad chai from that supermarket. Like, oh I'm sorry, it didn't come from like a Melbourne cafe in Brunswick that was like triple distilled through a nun's panties. Is that what you mean? <laughs> you know, young I, people. I used to do quite a few gigs in Melbourne. Mm. Back this is twelve years ago. And one time I really got stuck into the venue I was in. Uh-huh. Like going on about how – because it was owned by two AFL footballers. So, oh, God. So for American listeners, these people are elite sports people, elite athletes. There are millions of dollars a year. Oh, so like they're, it's like their version of gridiron players. Yeah, yeah. their version of yeah NFL. And um, this was two very prominent footballers who owned this cafe. And mm. it, was very, it was very shabby chic. Mm. You know, everything looked like it had been pulled out of a storeroom and they just cleaned it with a bit of – you know, uh, WD-40 and then there was like milk crates and it was all very designer. All the bathrooms had these like really strangely placed little mirrors and the cubicles. And- no, this is this is not a fucking joke. The bathroom was lined. They'd taken paperback books uh-huh. and they had cut them up into like, they'd cut the individual pages up and used them as like wallpaper. Uh-huh. And the, from what I could read, most of it was Kerouac and the diary of Anne Frank. Alternate pages. So you could stand there and have a piss and then like read about being locked in a cupboard. Then I'm on the road. Then I'm locked in a cupboard. Then I'm on the road. It was very fucking weird. I know. Anyway, I got stuck into... Just, there's something not right about lining the walls of a toilet with the diary of Anne Frank. It's... it's yeah. It's, That's not... I mean, it's it's probably not as appropriate... Like, 
as inappropriate as lining your attic, but it just, <laughs> it just, it's not, that's not cool. It's not cool. Not a toilet. Yeah. It's very disrespectful. Melbourne has a history of disrespectful Crack. venues, though. Cocaine. They, well, drugs. Yeah. They, they, Mafia. They, they had those burger bars that were named after all those dead rappers. Like, you know, uh, they had like Biggie Smalls and, uh-huh. and then there was like the two-pack shack or whatever it was. Yep. Like no permission from the estates. They just went out and did it. You know, like it's the Biggie Burger. You know, fucking look at this burger. It's fucking huge. Hey, we can't poke the copyright pencil too far. Adelaide did have the frying Nemo fish and chip shop without that any permission true. from Disney. They got shut down. Yeah. There was a place in Melbourne that I can't remember the name of it. It might have been Melbourne. It might have been the Gold Coast. It's a very Gold Coast thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it was a Vietnam-themed cafe. But okay, when you say Vietnam thing, I had this terrible idea in, in my mind that you're going to say it wasn't like Vietnam the country, it was Vietnam the war. It themed. was Vietnam the war. Oh. The walls were orange. Oh. Oh. Like it was called like Agent Orange or something oh, like that. Oh, no. The bullets, there was like bullets cast into the tables. No. Like the walls had photographs of American Huey helicopters. It was, no. it was just war crimes with burgers. It was crazy. What? Yeah, it was crazy. It got shut down so quick. All I could think, to me, that just sounds like something that, like, the police would do as an undercover operation <laughs> because you're looking for people from a particular extremist cell. Yeah. Like, what can we do that would lure them in? Yeah. Um, but the guys, I can't remember exactly what happened, but the guys who owned it were just like, hey, we were just trying to like be disruptors and we wanted to like do something new and funky in the food space. And it's like, you made a war crime themed fucking cafe, dude. Yeah. There's a reason <sighs> Nuremberg Nibbles doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, wow. Cowschwitz. <laughs> Cakeschwitz. Oh, yeah, they do, they do smoked beef. It's, it's amazing. There's a big chimney popping out the top. Oh my god! Yeah, there's a reason that hasn't. No, there's a reason that hasn't caught on. <laughs> idia, oh. idia means munch shack. <laughs> I'll have the last king of Scotland feed, please. It's just a shipping container full of turnips and old potatoes. Oh no, that's just wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So yeah, we're not the worst. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Well, they've got all those people to get through. We could have done a whole episode on that. I know. Wasted. 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 This is what happens with the unplanned banter. Oh, my God. Anyone out there, if you know of any inappropriate restaurants, uh, let us know at realmothman at gmail.com. Well, that's like, oh, my God. We could do a whole episode about the inappropriate restaurants of Japan. Yes. Um, And, oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> I saw one the other day. And you know how you just look and you're just like, nah, that's officially, <coughs> that is officially the bridge too far? Yep. Nah. Like, I don't know if you know this, but like I have a bit of a public toilet phobia. But you and everyone on the planet. Don't like them. Don't like going who, into who them. Who does like them? They're dirty. They're creepy and they're wrong and, ah. Uh, okay. Yeah. No one's ever said, you know what? I like public toilets. Except for Alan Jones. And some people in China. Uh-huh. They have a toilet-themed restaurant. Oh, really? Including you sit around on your toilets um, with, like, your meal is presented 
in a like a little like ceramic toilet yeah. and you like eat out of the bowl. Oh, that's fucking rank. <laughs> that is rank. What? I've never, I've never like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said, like I like to sit in there, doom scroll, you know, I do my research for the podcast. Yeah. I've never went in there and went, ooh, I'd go a snack right now. Like I always thought like the, I'd prefer to have a plate thing was a bit ridiculous. The uh, which one? Well, there's like, you know, bring back plates. There's like a there's like a little movement on social media for a while called bring back plates where like they'd share, people would share pictures of the ridiculous things their meals had been served on. Ah, uh-huh, So okay, it'd be like yes. slate tiles or there was like a tiny uh-huh. little shopping cart with some chips in it. Oh God, yes, I hate them. Shovels, yeah. like full English breakfasts on shovels. What? I know, just complete stupidity. I found one of the articles. Okay, like if it was the apocalypse, okay, I appreciate the effort. You've gone to yeah. like try and find me something kind of flattish. Like, but if not, no, just give me a plate. Do you know how many like families on the road I had to murder to get these beans? <laughs> I had to use a flare gun. That's not easy. Okay. Okay. So this is Broadsheet Magazine, which if, okay. for people outside of Australia, Broadsheet Magazine is slightly upper crust, mm-hmm. definitely very hospitality focused, Okay. higher end. Okay. This is not just like snotty nose street press. This is this is a, a, a publication of some note. Okay. Richmond's newly opened Rickshaw Bar says it will revisit Vietnam War themed fit out after backlash. The first quote of the article, Agent Orange is not a fucking aesthetic. <laughs> One Vietnamese-Australian restaurateur wrote on Instagram. Wow. Wow. My family didn't go through all this trauma for your own personal gain. It's tacky and insensitive. Do better. Yeah. Here's the photos. Oh, God. Sorry, just dropped my phone there. Better than me coughing into the mic all the time. Scroll through some of those photos and just tell me what you see. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, they're, okay, they're very tiny. Yeah, it's one of those little scrolly things. It's never great. Oh, my God. Are those shells? They are bullet casings, yep. Attached to the wall? Yeah. Uh, Oh. The walls are orange. I don't... And, like, I'm sure it played, like, Credence Clearwater Revival and, like, Ride of the Valkyries and stuff like that as their theme music. Look, in their defence, though, out of all the wars... Okay, I'm just going to say it. I think this is... You'd have to agree with me. Out of all of the wars, Vietnam has had the best theme soundtrack. I would say the Napoleonic Wars. Really? I would, yes. A bit of that old... (coughs) Well, Wagner was from when? Like, the 1800s? He wasn't... Or was it 1800s, early 1900s? I don't know. I'm ignorant. No, I'm thinking like the Napoleonic Wars gave us like Chopin and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I will stack your Chopin. The 1812 Overture. Oh, please. You're really going to put the 1812 Overture up against fucking CCR and the Doors? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. And like, come on. It's like the perfect music for you. Like, yeah. If you want to get high and just like. Commit war crimes. Like, it's just got that vibe to it, you know? The 1812 Overture had cannons. It's not just... They had literal cannons. Oh, my God. 200 years before ACDC. We have got Black Hawk helicopters. Come on. Who hasn't dreamed of of flying in low over the jungle with your... Blaring out of your speakers. Number one, that was in excess that you were just doing. (laughs) That was, that, was, that was not an excess. That was not an excess. That was not a 
need you tonight. That was. that was the 60s song that I was thinking of that I can't think. But you didn't have to know him because you were just, ah, man. Yeah. Okay. Also, being the kind of nerd that did collect Warplane magazine as a child. Oh, of course you did. There was no Black Hawk helicopters in Vienna. What? Yes, they were. That's all they were. No, they weren't. They were Hueys. Oh, they're all the same, Apache. aren't they? They're Apa- uh, not Apaches. They're, they're not Apaches. They're not Black Hawks. Apaches are sexy. They're very sexy. And they're, yeah. they're not Black Hawks. No, they were the uh, Iroquois. Those ones. Whatever they call them. Yeah. I don't know. With the door-mounted guns. Whereas all those other ones are like fucking... Fucking automated death machines. You know what? There's two pe- There's two types of people in this world, John. There's the type of people that know the fucking brand and model of the helicopter. And there are the people that just ride cool ass in the <sighs> helicopter okay. through the jungle. All right. Two excuses. Okay. Autism. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just wheel that out every time you're like, I'm losing an argument. I'll play the autism card. Well, strictly speaking, when you're already running a by-the-numbers argument, oh, you probably God. want to pull that card. Secondly, undiagnosed. So at this point, I'm literally latching onto a team that I've never officially been a part of. But the fact that I'm very obsessive about early helicopter models mm. might, might be something of an indicator. I'm just it was an indicator you weren't getting laid. I don't think it's got anything to do with autism. <laughs> like, fucking hell. It's you literally, your mum, just trying to get you to keep your hands busy <laughs> at the dining room table when you had company. That's yeah. all that was. Mum told me I'd go blind. I now have minus four vision. There you go. Yep. Oh, my God, you're in the negative. Well done. Mm. Everything about me is negative. <laughs> I'm so negative I made Nirvana depressed. <laughs> you're to blame. Yeah, it's oh my, my fault. Oh, my God. Look, that being said, again, you've got to find, like, the silver lining to everything. <coughs> sure, Kurt Cobain uh, killing himself was a terrible tragedy. Yeah. But, oh, my God, hasn't Dave Grohl bloomed? He has. He's in bloom. <laughs> but um, boom Do you remember where you were when Kurt asked himself? Nah. I don't know. Was I don't know. I was at school. I remember. I remember everyone coming and talking about it. No, nah, don't, don't remember. No. Because you were too busy listening to Vietnam War era music. I was too busy on my cool ass helicopter flying over the jungle, man. Getting high. Yeah, you were fucking sniffing glue on a <laughs> on a windmill in Broken Hill. Actually, I, I don't know. That's what I, you were doing. I think I might have been very aggressively trying to not get molested by my art teacher, maybe, at school. Oh. Maybe that's what I was doing. Maybe I had I had other I had other issues on my plate than fucking Kirk <laughs> So I would have loved to have been molested by my art teacher. Oh, she was oh. hot. Oh, yeah. No, ours was just like he had a ponytail. Oh, they've always got a ponytail. I know. No, I went to a very strict Catholic school mm. in in the sister city of Broken Hill. Yeah, and we had this art teacher that was clearly gay. Mm. She like she had like a she had like a bleached mullet. She looked like she was in that band Heart. From a woman who, you know, for a while had a mohawk. A haircut does not make you a lesbian, regardless what drunken teenage boys say. Probably not. (laughs) But to us, that made it all the more alluring. The fact that she was dressed in like wild prints and like. Forbidden fruit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. She gave me detention, not the good kind. (laughs) The I'd been misbehaving and being punished without any sexy time kind. Well, it's like, it's the whole like, I don't know, it's one of those things like, if you think of the Tom Hanks film, Big. Yeah. It's really not cool and appropriate. He has sex in that. He does and he's a child. Yeah. Yeah, it's not cool. I know. It's it's it's, it's I can't believe there was
wasn't someone just sitting around like a production meeting at any stage who didn't went, hang on, <laughs> isn't he 13? <laughs> anyway, different lifestyles. Very different. And it was the 80s, man. Like That doesn't make it cool. It really doesn't, know. <laughs> it doesn't make it cool. <laughs> I was well, you remember being like the 80s, everyone talking about fast times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, the Phoebe Kate scene. It's like, that. she's a child. Yeah. Like, that's, that film should be fucking banned. Yeah, you know. Well, look at the people who were making it as we found out. Oh, yeah, very true, yeah. Oh, my God. The world is a weird and creepy place. Yeah, it is. You know. You know what? And that is so weird. Why is that? Because speaking about weird and creepy places, that totally brings us, would you believe... To the topic of this week. I would. Oh, my Lord. What are the chances? They're pretty good. (laughs) Also, everyone out there, you let us know which you think, which, which, um, which war had the best soundtrack. Let us know. Napoleonic Wars. Realmothman at gmail.com and let John know why he's wrong. No one's picking World War One. No. 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 Um, or World War Two. Who the fuck cares about Benny Goodman? No one is going to pick the Korean War either because no one can remember when that happened. It was the fifties, and oh. it was Elvis. <laughs> oh, that's a go. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not. But early Elvis. Early Elvis. Yeah. The Big Bopper, Little Richard. They are pretty. Actually, it was pretty. Pretty good contender. Yeah, I'm taking Vietnam. Yeah, if you take the Vietnam War, you can't just have the Doors and Credence and Hendrix. You've also got to take. Like the really bad bands, like Peter, Paul, and Mary, and the better when you're high. <laughs> sniffing glue on a windmill in Broken Hill, pretending it's a chopper, while sheep <laughs> run around beneath you, does not make you <laughs> cool. cool as fuck, dude. Cool as fuck. What does the Iraq War have? Britney? New metal. Oh god. Oh corn. <laughs> oh, the Iraq War fails badly. <laughs> No wonder it just went downhill. Are you ready? Oh, no. No, I'm not Jonathan Davis and you're sequined out of ass. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to make you a sequined Adidas for Christmas. I will look like the fattest version of Demir Dokic. <laughs> I, will, I will literally terrify young tennis playing girls from the Balkans if I come out looking like Baba Yaga. <laughs> Everyone out there, he was the um, very much insane uh, tennis father of a tennis player. Look, we joke about it. Go on. His uh, his daughter made it to Wimbledon. So you got to think, how exciting would it be? Like for that's like for like tennis, that is the peak of your child's chosen career. Yeah, and you would think would be there front and center to cheer them on. Instead, while she was having her debut at Wilberton, he was being escorted out of the cafeteria because he threw a piece of deep-fried fish at somebody because he thought it was too expensive. Yeah. So he was actually a national joke, and a lot of a lot of comedians really dined out on Demir Dokic because his daughter, Yelena, was a very, very good tennis player. And she's actually... Well, she was all right. She was... Okay, so she was all right. She actually did very, very well. She won some serious stuff. She got high, She got decent rankings. So everyone used to talk about, you know, because he is crazy Demir, like losing it at all the, the referees and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Turns out he was horribly, horrifically abusive. 
Oh. Used to beat her all the time. There's like, oh. like well, it takes the fun out of it. It does, but like you know, at the time it was like he was like a national punchline. Like he is crazy, Demir, and it's like behind the scenes he was a fucking monster. Oh, yeah. And but to her credit, his daughter Yelena—I shouldn't even say that she's her own person. Yelena has become one of Australia's best tennis commentators and a body positivity ambassador. And you should look her up on Instagram. She's incredible. She's amazing. I fucking love her. Oh. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, she's risen above some serious bullshit. He got arrested back in Croatia, I think. Yeah. With like rocket propelled grenades and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. The dude's fucking unhinged. No, but to be fair. Yeah. I know some, like, I've met some Croatian and Serbian people. It's not uncommon for people to have rocket-propelled grenade launchers in Croatia or Serbia. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad person or you're insane. It's just what you do. It's, yeah, well, there has been something of a scuffle. I'm, ju- I'm, not, I'm just saying, like, I, I've partied with some Serbians in Chick Get Cray. Oh, Shit, yeah. Get cray cray. Yeah, yeah. One of yeah. the fucking strangest night of my life. <laughs> Possibly the strangest night of my life involved a bunch of Serbians. Oh, my yeah. Oh my god, cheers. Check. Yeah, they know how to party and be terrifying. I guess yeah, shit, I know. It's literally how they ever like you it's the, how you make those movies where it's just someone you just wake up <coughs> and you're just wearing like a Greek flag in the middle of the desert, like just nude except for a Greek flag and there's like a broken airplane and 200 kilos of meth. That's just the tail end of your being on the fucking windmill sniffing glue. <laughs> it's just a night out. That's just service. how you woke up. <laughs> Started out as a few nangs after school. <laughs> but the point is, we look fucking cute. <laughs> You're such a hater. I am. Look, <laughs> for 114 years, you oh. derail us back. <laughs> for 114 years, This hotel has stood ghostly white against the lush green backdrop of Colorado. Mm. The smooth white lines of concrete scarring the green forest around it. But in its history, it has managed to not just scar the forest, but scar the lives of its residents and guests. Some, it appears... I've never left. Welcome to the hotel. Hotel California. What war was that? (laughs) That'd be Vietnam. Yeah. This place has also scarred the imagination of millions of film goers as the source of inspiration for one of Stephen King's most well-known horrors. No way. Welcome to the Hotel Stanley. Its story is absolute red rum. Red rum. (coughs) Or. Or, yeah. Haunting holidays at the Holiday Inn. Very good. Or time to check out your life. Oh. And then in my head, I just broke back into Hotel California. But you can never leave. That's a fucking great song. Oh my God, I love that song. Just that intro. 
The question I have, okay, so you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Yeah. Okay. Which, oh, I don't want to be stuck in the foyer for eternity. Are you allowed to check back in? Do you think that Hotel California is literally about a hotel? No, but like if you're if you're like if you like die and you're in the limbo of this hotel, okay. Yeah. Okay, like a the ethereal, you know. Yeah. Hotel. Yeah. Because it's like you can check out. So I'm like, oh, okay, oh, you know, 10 o'clock, oh, it's bullshit. Early, oh, I've had my breakfast. I'm going to sp- have that shower really quickly. Make sure you've stolen all the toiletries. Get downstairs, hand your key back in so you don't get charged extra on your credit card. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, fuck, nah, I'm in the other world. I'm here forever. This is bullshit. Can I get my key back and check back into my room? Because at least you can put on a movie, have some snacks. Yeah, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Or like once you've checked out, that's it. You're just in the foyer for eternity. Oh, can you imagine? I suppose that is a that is one interpretation of purgatory. You know? It's just terrible customer service. Oh, oh my God. <coughs> I don't mind. I don't mind waiting in purgatory if I can do it in a fluffy robe with room service. Yeah, no, no, there's suffering involved. It's got to be... A really overpriced, deceptively marketed Airbnb full of cameras in all the clocks. Uh, yeah. And, and like, definitely, like, a toilet that's got a camera in it. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Oh. You're like, oh, this is hell. Because <laughs> I don't know what, that's the bit that really disturbs me the most, is just, oh, I don't want to wait in the foyer. I'd find that really frustrating. What if there's, like, a cafe in the foyer? Oh, you know there won't be. Or it'll be closed. Oh, oh, because they uh. those hours where you check out with a cafe that never opens. Oh! Or there'll be a grand piano in the foyer mm. and some fucking rich cunt's kids. playing fucking Napoleonic war music. Oh, oh no. Oh, God, not again. How awful. <laughs> How awful these amazing concertos must be <laughs> when you've got a fucking... Eight-bit brain that can only handle the fucking doors. Ah, oh my god, the doors are fucking genius. Thank you very much. I will take you up on that. They oh are not. My god, Jim Morrison can get a blowjob and still produce a number one record simultaneously. That's skill, man. That's talent. I'm sorry, but anyone that was around in the same era as Frank Zappa does not compete. <sighs> Whatever. Yeah. You're just. What, shouldn't you be back Nate, identifying helicopters? <laughs> Listening to fucking fucking acid jazz by Frank Zappa, yeah, fucking loser. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so we, I don't know, I don't think we've solved this. I don't know if you can check in back in your room. Maybe that is purgatory. <laughs> Some may suggest <coughs> that the history of the Stanley Hotel began back in 1872. Mm. It always begins back in 1872. When an Irish Earl... What? An Irish Earl... Did they even have titles? Well... After they were dispossessed? See, this is the other thing, is what I'm thinking, is that once you go to America... Oh, you just make shit up. I think you can call yourself fucking whatever the fuck you want to call yourself. This guy called himself the Irish Earl Lord Dunraven... Oh, my God. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Tell me that shit wasn't made up. That's incredible. Because um, it's one of those where you're like, it's so bad it has to be fake. Yeah. Irish Earl Lord Dunraven. Unreal. He came to the area which lay 
five miles to the entrance of the Rocky Mountains. Even. Lord Dunraven? Lord Dunraven was on a hunting trip, but fell under the spell of the area. Oh. He quickly built himself a hunting lodge and cabin, as well as a hotel for his invited guests. Lord Dunraven did this whilst... Well, there could be some people from the area, pesky people, um, who would accuse him of, you know, aggressively and illegally attempting to liberate 6,000 acres from others in the area, you know, in a sort of a homesteading manoeuvre, so that he could establish his own private hunting grounds. And of course, when I say its owners, I mean, of course, uh, white occupiers who took it from the Native American Utu and Arapu tribes who originally lived on the land, obviously. Well, if they didn't have the sense to put a hotel there. You know, well, you know, yeah, exactly. In 1903 in Maine, Freeland, talking about, oh my God, like, it just feels like everyone has just like, fuck it, I'm going to America. I'm... (sighs) Evading my mass murders. I what? No, I was born the Irish Earl Lord Fingerbottom. Meet our next character, Freeland Oscar Stanley. Is that like a power tool brand? <laughs> well, there's a, you're like, oh, why do I know this name? You'll know why. Was told by doctors that he had tuberculosis. Oh, of course. And to not bother making any plans past the next six months. I love how their prescriptions like used to be, you need to go get some sun. Yeah. Or like, you need some fresh air. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, have you tried riding a horse in the Wild West? <coughs> oh, Lord. So it was arranged for Freeland and his wife, Flora... Flora Freeland. <laughs> Tell me that wasn't her porn oh, name. That's, oh, my God, yeah. Oh, why Flora? Why? Does it refer to the bacteria? <laughs> oh, my God. And so him and Flora would travel to the Estes Park to stay in a friend's cabin in the area. Things changed over that summer. Freeland's health dramatically improved. Ha! Ah, you weren't expecting that, were you? I wasn't, no. Just as people were rallying to drive Lord Dunraven, the Irish Earl, from the area. He really does sound like he's from King's Landing, doesn't he? Oh, <laughs> percent Yeah. As, again, I know there might have been some issue with some people, I don't know, people quibbling, you know, the haters accusing the Earl of attempting to steal both their lands and their money, but whatever. Oh, my God, naysayers. Uh, yeah. I'm an Irish Earl. What's a, what's a storm crow to do? <coughs> Flora agreed to stay in the area on the condition that Stanley construct her a grand house like their house in Maine. Mm. Which Stanley did. Good on him. Stanley was able to do this because he was the creator of a steam-powered horseless carriage called the Stanley Steam Engine. I know the Stanley Steam Engine. 
or as it was known, the Stanley Steamer. Yeah, it's fucking legit famous. <laughs> it's like world famous. It does it very much sounds like the kind of thing that you do to Flora's chest. <laughs> <laughs> on your birthday yeah and someone has to sketch it into a flip book <laughs> when you're in the black forest oh dear let <laughs> me a stanley steamer on your florence what's her name flora flora's oh god <laughs> oh my god flora's tanley oh, oh my god the stanley steamer hey it's not a good hey <laughs> you wouldn't market that as a brand these days would you <laughs> no gets you moving in the morning <laughs> A Stanley Steamer. New Metamucil presents Stanley the Steamer, our little mascot. Just a little turd. I would have loved him in Thomas the Tank Engine. (laughs) Stanley Steamer turned up behind the bank. (laughs) It seems the vicar had had too much to drink. (laughs) So he invented, yes, the Stanley Steamer, which became... The steam-powered vehicle of the day. I wasn't yeah. expecting the steamer to have such, like, it to precede the story. Yeah. This is some famous shit. Oh, yeah. So it became the steam-powered vehicle of the day. And so he used his funds to purchase the lands acquired by Irish Earl Lord Dunraven before the Lord apparently fled the area. Oh. In a Stanley steamer. <laughs> <coughs> Oh, God, I'm dying. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) My lung infection. In 1906, construction... Oh, my God, you need to move I need to move. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I'll invent the John's Jalopy. (laughs) 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 It's run on methane. (laughs) Terrible diets. Oh, my God, I don't know if the John's Jalopy is going to catch on. I don't think it is. There's our next bit of merch. John's Jalopy. John's Jalopy. Oh, steam and fresh, direct to you. In 1906, construction began on the Stanley Hotel to welcome like-minded people to the area. It was built in a Gregorian architectural style with wooden stone sourced from the Rocky Mountain area. It was said steamer spared no expense. And as we've learned through the history of cinema... That always ends well. Always. Always ends well. Uh, In 1909, the hotel opened. Its grand luxury included running water. No. Electricity. Well. And telephones holy shit actually the hotel for its day it was astounding like all of the electricity that it had for the hotel was because steamer created this whole like hydro plant from like the new water to power for the electricity that's incredible i know oh my god bloody steamer we've talked before about how opulence pre-modern convenience was bullshit yeah i would fucking give up a castle for a telephone I'd live in a hut with a telephone. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Well, you might be single, you know, in your hut, but, you know. I could still call sex lines. (laughs) You'd still get a steamer. (laughs) My phone buzzed right at the right moment then, didn't it? Oh, my God. (laughs) Toot, toot. Elon's listening. He really is. Uh, (laughs) What would the sex line be back then? It's like only two phones. (laughs) I think it was called the Stanley (laughs) Steamer. (laughs) Is that Flora? I'll slowly heat your 
Boiler. Leak water. <laughs> oh, put one on me chest. Oh, ride me, ride me like a horseless carriage. <laughs> Back in those days, you could literally follow the string and look out <laughs> to the other person holding the can. <laughs> How you going, love? Oh, I can see you. What are you wearing? <laughs> I'm wearing this, well, you know, the same rags I've been wearing since 1964. These, these are my dead husband's teeth. And um, the filth, however, is all mine, oh. as you can see. Oh, Flora. <laughs> Would you like your steamer now? Oh, OnlyFans was a very different proposition. Do you want your steamer later? Oh. I can take out my husband's teeth oh. if you'd prefer. God, get it, I'll leave him in. <laughs> get a notch from the boss. Uh, the only luxury not built into the hotel, besides fireplaces, was heating. Okay. So the hotel would close over winter, being maintained by a custodian over the cold, lonely winter months. The property consisted of four main buildings, one of which boasted a concert ball, or a concert hall even. Even, yeah. Oh my God, I love a good concert ball. Which Steamer built just for his wife, who loved to play the piano. And she would come out and play the piano regularly for the guests. Nice. That's what she liked to do. When it first opened, the Stanley Hotel enjoyed a fashionable success and included among its guests former US President Theodore Roosevelt. Mm. Is that Ted? That's Teddy, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. There was two Roosevelts, wasn't there? Was there? think so oh i don't think that i think they were like cousins oh oh god bloody of course they were yeah. welcome, welcome to america alabama <laughs> anyway <laughs> it also welcomed emperor hirohito of japan okay and titanic survivor molly brown oh really yeah Flora's eyesight rapid, rapidly declined, and by 1926, she felt uncomfortable anywhere she did not know intimately. No. Then Steamer's brother, whom he started his steam-powered car company with, died in an accident in one of the vehicles. Please tell me he was doing something foolhardy and dangerous. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. I just know he got steamed. Yeah, I've got a feeling. I reckon I was reading about this. I've got a feeling he was trying to set like a record. Of course, it's 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 like it's it's the olden day, and it was rich people. They only yeah. died. What am I saying? It's like today. Yeah, he did the equivalent of getting in a homemade submarine with a Nintendo yeah. controller. Yeah, he's trying to set the forty mile an hour speed record. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just. Oh, I found this stick. We'll steer it for sure. Wedge me in. Push me into the lake, sir. Old cars were so fucking dangerous. I know. Well, the suicide doors. But anyway. Yeah. There's a whole other episode. So his brother died in a big old steamer. Yeah. Steamer sold the car business and he and Flora retired from public life. Steamer sold the hotel to the Stanley organization to manage the business of the hotel. 
But the organisation filed for bankruptcy after just a couple of years. So Steamer bought the hotel back for a small amount and kept it in his care until 1930. Sounds like a tax write-off. It really does, yeah. I know they're trying to make it a tragic tale, but you're like, it sounds like fraud. Yeah, there's a bit of phoenixing going on there. (laughs) Flora died in 1939 after a stroke and Steamer would die of a heart attack... At age 91 in 1940, after dedicating his life to the area 36 years <laughs> after the six months he was given to live by doctors. That's incredible. Thank God he didn't be like, well, I've only got six months to go. This is the time. And like fucks his sister and fucks his wife's sister and shoots people in the head and just like, fuck it, it'll never catch up with me. Oh, fuck, 36 years later. That'd be awkward. Yeah, that would be awkward. (laughs) You don't tell someone they've only got six months. This bucket list involves fucking their sister. (laughs) I don't know, it was 1827. Oh, true. That's just life then. I think that's called a Stanley steamer, but anyway. I'm just saying, awkward. You know, just <coughs> confirm those six months before you yeah. jump in. <laughs> but as time went on, more than one or two guests reported a strange energy in parts of the hotel. Several rooms in the hotel in particular have received regular formal reports of ghostly activity. One of the most haunted rooms is room 407. Guests have often reported being startled by the sight of a man standing in the corner of the room by the bathroom door. Oh. Pervert. Yeah. (laughs) It's like old school Airbnb. Yeah. I'm just a plant. Ignore me. Pervert. (laughs) In a hundred years, cameras will be invented. I won't have to do this. Can you just like, oh my God, like he, he like forget purgatory. He's like, oh my God, I'm in heaven. <laughs> I'm in heaven. And just watching women through the ages pee. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> that ghost would have been such a different film. <laughs> oh my God. He, Patrick Swayze came back just to watch Demi Moore take a piss. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, oh my god, just give me a Stanley steamer. Oh my god. Yeah, very, very different film. Well, that's true. I guess, like, if your idea of heaven, like, if you are, like, an, you know, like an upskirter, <laughs> like, you're, like, some kind of, like, sexual perv, but then you die, but then you do the whole, like, as you're dying, like, yeah. a Catholic priest runs over, like, oh, See your friend, and you, you're like, oh my god, forgive me, Father, and he forgives you. So you're like, whoosh, you go to heaven. Yeah. What do they do? Technically, they're supposed to give you everything you want, but what you want is to be a massive perv. Yeah. What do they do? I, I don't know. Send you back to Earth to haunt, where everything is your glass coffee table. <laughs> just you, you pass through Germany. walls. You can just lie on the ground and <laughs> just you'd be in a shopping mall. Oh my god, you'd just be in like just. In the toilet, just a oh yeah, baby. Yeah, oh. that's what that fucking creep was doing in Harry Potter. <laughs> that girl that was in the toilet—that's what she was doing. <laughs> just waiting for a Stanley Steamer. Yeah. Hey, look, there's no 
kink shame if like if that's what you're into as long as the other people and if you're a ghost i feel you're taking advantage that's not appropriate that's Are not you cool fucking seriously worried about offending ghosts by kink shaming them <laughs> <laughs> who are you gonna call kink busters <laughs> Don't cross the streams of sexual Oh my god, cross the streams, cross the streams (laughs) On my face Oh my god I'm just saying, if you're a ghost, that's uncool To watch, just like, if that's your fetish If you're sexually enjoying watching people pee as a ghost That's rude Announce yourself And just find someone who's cool with that That kid from the sixth sense Grew up so fast Didn't he? I see dead people, and they're doing some weird shit. <laughs> You're peeing on one now. There's a lot more pegging in the afterlife than I thought there would be. I see dead people peeing. <laughs> dead people getting their balls cupped. <laughs> I just picture that, like, family while they're strung up in the hallway. <laughs> she just reaches over and just gives his balls a little, a little tickle. <laughs> it's the afterlife. Live a little. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that would make it less traumatic or more traumatic when you're seeing a ghost? So traumatic. (laughs) If they gave each other a little tickle. Not for the child. Obviously, that's not cool in front of a child. Like, if you're as a grown-up adult. Yeah, like, you're an an adult psychic with crystals and dream catchers. Yeah. And they're like, "Eh," and they're, you know, their their head's a bit loft because they've been, like, run over by a bus. If he then like reaches around to the other cyclist and gives them a reach around, would you be like, "Oh, that's beautiful. They found each other." Yes, and go- <laughs> I reckon ghosts are fucking everywhere. That's what creaking or doors just are. Ghost fucking. Yeah, that's what creaking doors and floorboards are. That's what all the moaning is. Yeah, <laughs> and all the sounds of the chains. Yeah. just get tied up. Yeah, oh. some kinky ghosts. Oh. What else would you do? I've got eternity. We're all dead. No one can get pregnant. Yeah, get into it. Yeah. Oh my god, it's like great big dead sex Olympics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Walking Dead. <laughs> walking head, but anyway. Blah. Oh lord, where was I? I've forgotten. Okay, so he's still alive. <laughs> people are dying. Crazy hotel. Sex Olympics. Pervert standing watching people pee in the corner of the room. Yeah. Other guests in the room have reported that the lights to the room. Which can be controlled by a light switch by the bathroom door oh. would repeatedly flick on and off all night long. Pervert's got his back up against it while he's, he just, oh, while he's doing it. <laughs> Gross. The old five knuckle shuffles. <laughs> just knocking it. Got a bit of lateral movement happening. <laughs> just slapping it with his dick. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, others have reported looking up and being startled. But wait for it. We're going to find out who the dick slapper is. Okay. We actually, we've got, a, we've got a name to the dick slapper. It's like Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> On the curtains. <coughs> just a baseball field full of jerking off ghosts. I was going to say, Kevin Costner comes out. It's just 30 guys just at the edge of the corn, just having a wank. <laughs> <laughs> You'd pull that baseball field up pretty fucking quick, wouldn't you? <laughs> just all these perverts They're driving in with their truck. Just like, yeah. Ghost perverts. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. 
weird big orgy of you don't know who's real and who's not they're all just circle jerking each other and you're like i don't know i guess it's gonna fertilize the corn i guess it's a good nutrient that's the ghost loads there's nothing but bad energy there that's why your crops are dead it's from all the ghost loads oh my god it's like pre-buttered corn oh jesus sell it by the highway oh dollar a knob this is why the, the cows won't settle at night. <laughs> I wouldn't settle at night if that was going on. No. Just keep it down out there. Oh, <laughs> just a, a million jerking off ghosts like it's Woodstock. <laughs> just stand there. You can be the catcher's mitt. God damn it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, Lord. Anyway. <laughs> Others have reported looking up, turn their back on their filth, and they're looking up and being startled by seeing the face of a man standing in the window of room 407 looking out into the grounds. Mm. When the hotel is listed as vacant. The staff run to the room to catch the stranger, but the room is empty and undisturbed. The man had looked odd, like he was dressed like an older day cowboy. Okay. From descriptions given by the eyewitnesses. This might be this might be least ghosts don't come out. It's people like you mocking them. It's not a ghost. It's a stripper who cannot get out. He's wearing arseless chaps. If anyone's, like, gonna, if anyone is going to be murdered and like put under the floorboards in a rich person's hotel, it's going to be a stripper. Of course, it's his poor rhinestone ghost. Ah, yes. No, no, I was here for the hen's night and I can't get out. <laughs> Imagine being a dead stripper and finding yourself in the hell's hen's night. Oh, no. God. No. Oh. Just all those little tiny hot, like, dicks whacking you in the face for eternity. No, and all the hens with their tiny little ghost dick straws. Oh, my God. (sighs) From descriptions given by the eyewitnesses, the description matched that. Who do you think it is? Who do you think it is? Oh, of course. Who's the old cowboy in the room? It's Wild Bill Hickok. Irish Earl Lord Dunraven. Ooh. Who maybe never fled the area at all. Maybe not. There's a big bar in there. (laughs) (laughs) One guest in room 407. Who found it impossible to sleep with the flickering lights, sat up and told the ghost that they were only staying for two nights. So could the spirit please stop playing with the lights? (laughs) You're going to carry in the afterlife? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Don't make me call the manager. (laughs) I booked for the deluxe suite. (laughs) Curiously, the spirit seemed to agree and the light remained on. There you go. You can carry in the afterlife. Yeah. But the room guests turned off the light and then went to bed. But then they were kept awake by the sounds of the elevator travelling up and down and the doors opening and closing on their floor, even though the elevator was out of order. No. 
Don't think you will have it any easier in the stairwell either, with the hotel stairwell being called, quote, the Vortex, which staff simply say radiates a high spiritual energy. Would you like to see the Vortex? I would like to see the Vortex. Here is the Vortex. That is a fucking cool stairwell. Holy shit, they nailed architecture back then. Um, I think the spiritual energy is just sweet design vibes. Yeah, I know. It's like back in like the day. Yeah, like like today's stuff is so like Ikea and just flat packy. There was a grandeur when, you know, you didn't have to pay people a livable wage. That's, that's where you could do a really dramatic suicide. Mm. Just jump off the top and, oh, he never left me. Wow, like, see, even just looking at pictures of a vortex, it's oh, calling you down. No. Oh. No. It's just very dramatic. Mm-hmm. It's really quite beautiful. Oh, you can keep oh, that thank picture. You. That's for you. <laughs> Room 428 is said to also be home to another ghostly cowboy. No. Do you pay extra for that? <laughs> Depends if uh, he's allowed to touch you. Yeah, I would. Yeah, you definitely have to pay extra to touch him. You want to be molested by a cowboy ghost? I did you say I want to be? Yeah. Hell yes! My whole life is me trying to get like molested by a cowboy ghost. It hasn't happened. Fair enough. Oh my god! Why do you think I have these like vaginaless chaps? (laughs) You and Ed Gein. Just imagine your Ouija board. <laughs> yes, no, ride me. Yes, no, do you want to touch it? <laughs> Where'd you go? <laughs> Does this mean we're married? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. There's like a ghost Tinder. There's got to be one. It's just yes and yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Room 418. So we're moving down the hall. Yeah. Room 418 has had multiple reports of the ghosts of children. Oh, no, that's not cool. I think that's just annoying. Oh, my God. People are always like, oh, my God, the sounds of children playing. It's high-pitched and it's annoying because it's always on, like, a Sunday morning. I have a hangover. Shut up. Your room is the only safe place where they're not watching a million ghosts jerk off. (laughs) Give them some space. Uh, uh. Room 418. Guests often report the very loud sounds of children playing outside the door in the hallway. Yet when guests open the door, they can see no children. One couple who stayed in room 418 checked out very early one morning and strongly complained about the fact that they were unable to get any sleep all night because of the children playing so loudly in the hallway all night long. No. The hotel assured the guests that there were, in fact, no children in the hotel. Cleaning staff have regularly reported hearing strange and unusual noises whilst in the room. And they have even noticed... This is weird. Okay. Indents appearing on the bed as if someone had just sat on the bed. Oh. Even though the room was empty. (laughs) You're just sitting there and then you just see like 
Oh my God, I saw the imprint of an ass. <laughs> what a disrespectful ghost. <laughs> just, I just made that shit. Yeah. Oh my God. See the little paper seal on the toilet disappear. <laughs> you get out of there, ghost. God damn it. You're not watching someone piss in here. <gasps> Do you know what I miss? When you go, I mean, I don't go to like hotels that often because I'm cheap and poor. Um, but the last couple of times that I have gone, you know what I've missed? What? That they don't have, you know, they used to have that little paper thing that was around the toilet seat, you know, sealed, you know, for yeah. your protection. I don't have that anymore. I miss that. What hotels are you going to? I see that all the time. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Don't you make me, because you're like, oh, no, I feel like such a Mariah Carey. Like, yeah, damn straight, there's a new toilet. Are you confusing public toilets for hotels? <laughs> no. I have not seen that in forever. I think that's so nice. Yeah, no, they still do that. Really? Yeah. What kind of shitholes have I been in? Clearly some pretty serious They're ones. They're like death dag toilets. Yeah. Oh, my God. And like they make the little, you know, they get the little triangle on the end of the toilet paper. Never understood that. Classy. Never understood the toilet paper triangle. What, just to make you feel classy? Well, do, do I need a nice Sosceles triangle in my butt? <laughs> just, no, I do not. Just to point where the shit goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got like ass imprints on the bed. Yeah. The fourth floor is quite infamous for its ghostly sightings and sounds of children running all up and down the halls. The ghosts are apparently drawn to those who are happy and excited. So the kids just want to play. They're not there to ruin things. Ghost hunters. See, this is where it turns sinister. Ghost hunters have prowled, have prowled the halls with trigger objects like lollipops. Oh, no. Ooh. This is where ghost hunting gets creepy. Ooh. You want a lollipop, little girl? Yeah, I'm here. Windowless van ghost hunters. It's not good when they're dead. It's no. not good when they're alive. It's really not. Gary Glitter's ghoul to it. Goose, yeah. Stop at. Adding, you know, offering candy to children. That's fucked up. It's not cool. I know. I feel a bit creepy. Yeah. Some eyewitnesses have claimed that they have seen these trigger objects move, rock, spin, and even fly from people's hands. That's people slapping them away. Stay away from the pervert, Jenny. Yeah. Now go in that toilet and watch someone piss. (laughs) But not all the children, it seems, are located on the fourth floor. Okay. Remember back in the day, kids, you know, that's why you had so many, because a lot of them were just going to drop off. Yeah, you you had backups. Yeah, expendables. Yeah. Uh, There is one small child who has been seen all around the hotel by various members of staff. The child is calling out for his nanny. No, not his mum. (laughs) Not his shit kind of a mum. Nah. Nanny. Nanny. That's why you have the triangle. Fetch me a new triangle, nanny. Old Steamer himself is reportedly quite often seen around the hotel. He has been seen in the lobby, the billiard room, and strolling through the bar heading into the kitchen. And if you believe ghost stories, he actually once appeared behind a group of people on a ghost hunt in the billiard room. Like photobombed him. <laughs> Someone turned around and was like, "Who's that outcome?" By like, you didn't buy a ticket. Yeah, outcome. Turns out he owned the place. There you go. There we go. Flora, it seems, is still <coughs> standing by her man, even in the afterlife, as she too has been seen haunting the hotel. 
In life, one of Flora's favourite pastimes was to play the piano for the hotel guests. And it seems that this pastime has continued into the afterlife. With both guests and employees hearing music being played on the grand piano. But upon inspecting the ballroom, it is empty. Some even say they have seen the keys to the piano physically move as the music played. But then it and the music stops whenever someone walks into the ballroom. How do they know the keys are moving? Well, like, like when they just stick their head in. Like, oh. Like you just, you know, when you're like, oh, like you peek through a little, you're like, but then when you come through, I'm here, motherfucker! She leaves. But what if you, oh man, I'm, what if you come in like and want to hear it? Yeah, like yeah, it's a bit like oh fucking yeah. No, you got to stand at the door. Yeah. Maybe it's just because she's like, oh poor person. Ugh. They're <laughs> oh. gonna want to hear the doors. <laughs> I only like to hear it when I'm flying in my helicopter over the fields, like a cool person. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <clears throat> One room now used as a storage room, as guests reported suddenly being unable to breathe, as if someone was sitting on their chest when entering the room. Good old Flora. Good old Stanley Steamer. <laughs> I felt a hot presence on my chest. Turns out a man named Paul had died in the room. He died of a heart attack. Oh, as was uncommon in those days. <laughs> it wasn't tuberculosis, though, was it? No. But footsteps and app- apparitions have been felt and seen all throughout the hotel. Probably one of the most haunted rooms is room 217. People have seen and heard things. No. Oh. In the early... 1900s, there was a small gas explosion after a staff member lit a lantern during a storm. The hotel went on to reassure everyone that it was just a small explosion, you know, apart from the fact that it actually blew out the room of floor 217 and the staff member fell through. The the hotel claims she survived, she just broke both her ankles and actually came back to work and continued to work until she was 91 and died in the hotel. Breaking an ankle back then was a fucking death sentence. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know what's scarier, a ghost or the fact that housekeeping staff were paid so little they were forced (gasps) to work with busted ankles until the age of 91 just to survive. Yeah. Yeah. Guests of 217 have reported seeing the woman tidying and putting things away. Even unpacking a suitcase. What a shitty afterlife. Yeah, I don't know what's scarier, a ghost or having to go to still go to work in the afterlife. Yeah, when you're dead. Like, oh, fuck's sake. Uh, welcome to Walmart, I'm dead. Yeah, oh, it's literally Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense. Yeah, oh, poor bastard. Still having to give, like, psychiatric evaluations. Oh, Got to solve his own murder. Oh, God. If I can wear that cardigan. Oh. First place I'm going, into the toilet. <laughs> Calm down, Stanley Seymour. <laughs> but as the years went on, the luxury of the hotel declined compared to fancier, more modern hotels. And the hotel fell out of favour. It wasn't that the hotel ever became 
run down, more it grew out of fashionable style. Well, of course, it had a billiard room. In 1974, upcoming author Stephen King, Mm. his first published novel, Carrie, had only been released the year before. Stephen and his wife, Tabitha, lived in Boulder, Colorado for one year. In late October, they were travelling home. They were about 70 miles from their house, but a sudden snowstorm made the roads almost impassable, forcing the author and his wife off the road and the couple pulled into the Stanley Hotel. The couple was lucky as this was the last night that the hotel was open before it closed for the winter. Ah. Stephen and his wife would be the only guests in the entire 155-bed hotel that evening. That would be freaky. The kings were given their key and they went upstairs to their room. In King's words, it was... Oh, God, what does Stephen King sound like? I know, I've never... I don't think I've ever heard Stephen King talk. He just sounds normal. It was a perfect Oh, ow. No different from any other door. It's not the Cartman. F- Fuck. <laughs> from any other door on the first two floors of the hotel. It was dark grey. Halfway down a corridor that ran at right angles to the main second floor hallway. The numbers on the door looked no different from the house numbers on the Boulder apartment building they had lived in. A two. A one. Why does he sound like a gay Transylvanian psychic? And a seven. (laughs) King and Tabitha had a meal in the grand dining room all alone. They were given only one option of food to order. Oh. (laughs) Pre-recorded orchestral music blared in the background. All of the chairs were up on the tables except for the ones that King and his wife sat at. King later described the scene to a reporter. So the music is echoing down the hall. And I mean... It was like God had put me there to hear that and see those things. (laughs) After King's wife retired early for the night, Stephen wandered around the hallways of the hotel, soaking in the energy and presence, and then made his way to the bar. Would you like to see some pictures of the interior of Stanley? So the first picture is just a picture of one of its hallways. Very much like the Queen Victoria Hotel in Melbourne. But I was going to say, like, and then down below it is is the bar. But like when I look at that hallway, yeah, that's like it. That's exactly what I see in The Shining. Yeah, it's fucking bleak. Yeah, yeah. It just and it really just it does look like purgatory. Like it goes on forever. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. So his wife retired for the, the night. He's wandering around the hotel. And he made his way to the bar. King ordered a drink 
But the bartender had already finished all the paperwork for the bar (laughs) and could not be bothered with all the effort it would take to readjust the books. So the bartender, called Grady, refused King's money and King drank for free and the two talked into the night. Nice. King returned to the room, but not before having his own ghostly encounter, apparently seeing the ghost of the small boy crying out for his nanny. Jesus. King went to bed, but he garnered no rest. Having waking from a nightmare in the middle of the night, a nightmare about his son being chased down the hallway of the Stanley Hotel, being chased... What do you think he was being chased by? A wall of blood. It was a possessed fire hose. Oh, that's pretty lame. <laughs> that's very lame. Stephen King reveals the dream in a little more detail. That night, I dreamed of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk, sweating all over, within an inch of falling out of bed. I got up, I lit a cigarette, sat in a chair, looking out the window at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. Number one. Mm. Great job doing uh, Mike Tyson on helium. <laughs> that was something else. That's what Stephen King sounds like <coughs> in my mind. He just sounds like a normal dude from the Midwest. And then that's what I'm going for. That's my authentic. That's your Midwest accent. That's my like. And then the Mister Alden. That's my authentic. Wow. Yeah. Professional actor. Is there like a dyslexia for accents? Because you've got it. <laughs> I did it. It was on point. It was. It was on something. I think I think that when you got up on that windmill and sniffed glue, you killed the part of your brain that does accents. Oh my god, that was that was on point. Are you kidding me? Oh my god. You'd be one of those people that gets a head injury and wakes up in hospital and like thinks you're Irish and then like goes, has it has it been? And they call myself the Irish Earl, Lord Don Raymond, and I moved to Colorado. Again, you sound like a gay Transylvanian cabaret singer. There's nothing wrong with that at all, except Stephen King is a guy from the Midwest who just or sounds. Or is like, he? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> By dawn, Stephen King had written the premise for The Shining. The Shining novel was published in 1977 and was released as a feature film by Stanley Kubrick in 1980. Yes. Now, Stephen King actually wrote the screenplay himself, yes. the original screenplay. But the screenplay was immediately rejected by Stanley Kubrick. Yep. And Diane Johnson was brought in to work on the script. And listening to her interviews later on talking about, she was very bitchy about Stephen King and his work and was really trashing the book. Yeah. And you're a bit like, calm down, bitch. So this is one of those things, like, this is one of those splits in history that I think are perfect. Yeah. Stephen King's book is perfect. Yeah. The film is perfect. In their own ways. Mm-hmm. It's like Metallica when they booted out Dave Mustaine. Mm-hmm. If, we, if they didn't do that, we wouldn't have got Megadeth and we wouldn't have got Metallica. 
Mm-hmm. They probably would have fired out and disappeared. Mm-hmm. But with this little split, we got one of the greatest movies of all time well, and one of the greatest horror books of all time. Well, have we though? <sighs> as far as Stephen's opinion on the final film, King has been very open about the fact that it is the only adaption of his novels that he, quotes, remembers hating. <laughs> I can see why. <laughs> Regardless, The Shining went on to become a horror classic. Although people are going to argue, oh, it's not a horror, it's a thriller, it's a... We're not having that argument. Oh my God, there is... We can do a whole episode one day on The Shining, which I think is literally, by the sounds of it, just going to be you and me arguing um, about the entire thing. Because I'm just going to say it, Kubrick overrated. There, I said it. Yeah. No, no, I, I tend to agree with that these days. Yeah. Like, just... uh, Apart from the fact of what he did to Shelley Duvall on this movie. Yeah. Horrendous. um, Just, oh my... There's a lot of times where you just want to be like, stop cock-blocking yourself. Like, you're just... The the problem with you is you. You just stop being so you. Like, make it... Just stop being you. Make the movie. Stop being you. Okay. Anyway. When you make a film superior to Doctor Strangelove, we'll talk. Okay. Oh, hang on. No, Doctor Strangelove. Like, yeah. And that's, how I learned to... Yeah, that's Kubrick. Oh, yeah. I forget about that one. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Well, you know, but that's fine. But I'm saying his other works. 2001. Oh, fuck. I hate that movie. Don't. Full, full Metal don't. Jacket. Again, it should have been two different films. There's two different films in one film and it shits me. Okay. Should have been two separate films. But it's fucking don't start with me 2000 and fucking one. Oh my God. I love 2001. The bit where the space is fine and the robot let me in with the fucking monkeys. Fuck off with your monkeys. (laughs) Fuck off. Fuck off. Let's just fuck off. And then all these fucking movie films. Oh my God, it's the greatest fucking movie. It's a fucking monkey with a stick. Fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck off. Oh, my God. It's literally five minutes at the start of the film. Oh, and it's fucking ten minutes too long. If, oh, my God. If you were, if we were Roger and Ebert and, like, we were on, like, fucking ABC, it literally, out the review from me would just be five minutes of just fuck off. Just fuck off. Fuck off. Anyway. Fair enough. It's like when I went and saw Ridley Scott's Prometheus. Fuck off! Just fuck right off! Just fuck off! There's nothing else to say! Just fuck off with that shit. Fuck off. Anyway. <sighs> Stephen King himself would later adapt the book into a made-for-TV miniseries for ABC in 1997, which he filmed at the Stanley Hotel itself. But over the years, rather than running from its ghostly reputation, the Stanley Hotel has decided to lean into its ghostly reputation. Yeah. You've only got one, yeah, two options. Either you just completely whitewash it, pretend it never happened, or just fucking start printing merch. Yeah. We've we've got this horrible death trap of a rental property. We could demolish it. Mm. Or, hear me out, do we start calling it an escape room? (laughs) Airbnb. Yeah. Ooh, the camera's in the room. Ooh, it's all part of the experience, kids. <laughs> Don't mind that jerking ghost in the corner of the room. Animatronic. Ghost yeah. may just be a landlord. 
<laughs> the Stanley Hotel has really leaned into its ghostly reputation, which has seen a resurgence in business for the hotel as more and more people became aware of its connection to the movie and as a must-stay location for Stephen King or horror or Kubrick or paranormal fans. Originally in the film, the number of the hotel room 217 was changed to number 237 by producers for the sake of the hotel, imagining no one would want to stay in a haunted room. But... Today, 217 is the most popular room in the hotel and is often booked out for months in advance. (laughs) The Stanley Hotel now has heating and is opened year-round. It now offers a variety of stay options, including... So it's added on. There's all these fancy modern apartment styles for the rich, fancy people. Yeah. As well as the more historic rooms which maintain the hotel's more traditional character. Yeah. So, in other... They've actually built... So, this is there. Yeah. But this is just for part of the hotel. Okay, so they've kept some of it looking retro and vintage. Yes, and other parts, like, it's completely, you know, like... Refurbed. Cans... What's that? What's that film festival that Robert Redford does? Where all the rich people go in the Colorado mountains. You know, all fancy, like, oh, look at us, we've got money and we're elite. And Aspen. Anyway. Um, so, it's you know, it's all very fancy and, you know, ski cabin But then you can rent these rooms and it really looks like something from, like, the 1920s. Yeah. And, you know, they've kept it, like, the really old wooden anwars and, right. you know, a lot of beige and browns and... <sighs> The hotel now also offers historical and paranormal tours of the hotel, mm. as well as paranormal ghost hunts. Oh. On some of the tours, don't be surprised if you have an actual run-in with the Grady twins. We're talking paid child actors in matching outfits who invite those on the tour to come and play with us. Come and play with us forever and ever and ever. Actual child actors? Yeah. They are going to be fucked up. And these ghosts are happy to stop for photos. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Imagine the kind of shitty showbiz parents they've got. (laughs) The the worst kind. But wait for it. We're going to go into the tours a bit later. So keep in mind these kids are dressed up, okay? In 2013, Stephen King released the novel Dr. Sleep which was his sequel to The Shining following the adventures of a grown-up Danny struggling with his own demons. Yeah. This was also adapted into a feature film. Not one to miss out on an opportunity, the Stanley Hotel offered its own Dr. Sleep packages, (laughs) which included a copy of both The Shining and Dr. Sleep and possible room upgrades to room 217 (gasps) upon request and availability. Oh, In 2015, after years of requests from visitors, the Stanley Hotel had its own garden maze created. That's incredible. That's so good. I can't believe it took them so long. (laughs) Even to this day, the Stanley Hotel is considered one of the most haunted hotels in America. And the Stanley's main building and concert hall are ranked as one of the most active paranormal phenomena sites in the world. 
The hotel also plays The Shining on constant repeat 24-7 on Channel 42. (laughs) And a little side note, in September uh, of 2021, it actually held its first ever Bruce Fest at the Stanley Hotel, which was a weekend celebrating everything's all Bruce Campbell and Evil Dead. That's incredible. So you could there were like little murder mysteries and cocktail parties with like Bruce Campbell, and you got to watch the Evil Dead. That's so and, good. Well, he gave commentary. This was in twenty one, and I'm like, if I knew, I would have gone. Yeah. Now, when I say that the Stanley Hotel has decided to lean in to its connection with The Shining, yeah. I actually printed out some of, because it actually has an online store where you can buy merchandise. Would you like to look at some of the... uh, I would love to look at some of the merch. Merchandise from the Stanley Hotel. Oh, we went with the big print here, didn't we? I went with the big print. Guess who's using the work printer? (laughs) A3. Living in luxury. Describe what they're selling to our listeners. Okay, we have red rum shot glasses with red backwards writing <laughs> on a black shot glass. What's the only way you do red rum? Yep, you've got a red rum wine glass, red rum hat, lots of T-shirts. We've got a plushy ghost, <laughs> room 217 door key. Yes. Room 401 door key, very ornate. Uh, the, the actual pin locking mechanism is an upside down cross. That's very tasteful. <laughs> Lots of shot glasses. A lot of shot glasses. Yeah. We've got uh, Haunted Hotels of the West book. We've got The Shining, which is sold out. <laughs> yeah, like just get more in. Yeah. You're like, you're, you'd think that's going to be your number one seller. You'd think that they've got a mask. <laughs> they've got a red rum COVID mask. <laughs> of course they have. That's incredible. I actually really want the red rum COVID mask. I, I really want, do. I want the plushy ghost. <laughs> It's really cute. Oh, is this the one that looks like... It kind of looks like a sperm to me. It, it, fucking hell, that's a very odd-looking sperm. It's like a horse sperm or something. I think a lot of things look like sperm these days. Oh I might not be getting out. Oh, dear. Um, I research horror podcast. I'm very lonely. <laughs> okay, now, if you can, you can actually... So, like I said, it's still a working hotel. Yeah. Um, like I said, the haunted rooms book out months in advance. Yeah. I love it. Even on their advertising, they there is no subtlety no. Um, about it. It's like, historic spirit. Discover the historic charm of our spirited primely hotel building first opened in 1909. <laughs> and then it goes through, it gives you the options for the rooms. So obviously, you know, you get the fancy Ascot rooms, which are the new rooms. Yeah. But the other option is, in quotes, spirit. Spirited rooms. Hello. Stanley Hotel features a variety of rooms with high paranormal activity, including the famous Stephen King Suite 217, the Ghost Hunter's favourite room 401, as well as 407 and 428. These are among our most requested rooms. Availability is limited. Yes. Uh, rooms at the at the hotel start at three hundred and nine dollars US. That's pretty steep. Um, well, you you got all that winking ghost money. Yeah. Now, you know what I said about the tours. Yeah. Okay, I had a look, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, like Friday, Saturday night, they do like a tour. So I had a look. 
every day. It looks like every day. But they're not just doing a tour. Right. They do multiple tours. So I just I just picked so I've picked this day as an example randomly. Thursday, July thirteenth. They are doing eleven tours a day. Wow. Okay. Or a night. And out of this one, so of the thirteenth, that's just like three days away. Yeah. There are twelve people on each tour. And so far, so this is just a Thursday night, so I picked a non-popular night. Yeah. Out of these 11 tours, only five of them still have a vacancy. Oh, wow. And they only have one ticket remaining. Okay. So there's a tour at 4.30. Another tour begins at 5.10 and then 5.30, 6.10, 6.30, 7.30, 8.10, 8.50, 9, 10. It's 30 US dollars per tour. Holy shit. I figured this out. If you're doing $30 a tour for 12 people over 11 shows, that's $3,960 a day just from tours. Wow. If you do that over 365 days. Yeah. Guess how much they make just from the shining tour at the hotel. About 900 grand. 1,445,400. So basically one and a half million dollars per year. On Red Rum Tours of the hotel. They've basically managed to turn this hotel into a landlocked cruise ship. Yes. Wow. And this is why when I always say to you, we need to do true crime comedy tours. Yeah. (laughs) Like ghost tours. This is why. One and a half million dollars worth is why. You just did the quiet part loud. Not because we love our fans. (laughs) And we'd like to share some meth with them. So, like, no, let's extract every last coin out I, of these. Did you say meth? Yes. I want to get one and a half million dollars and do meth with our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Good on them. Yeah. One and a half million dollars. Meth on us. I love how Stephen King just kind of fell ass backwards into this great premise. I mean, he clearly had to put in a ton of work, but... It, well, yeah, yeah. It's a whole, like, writing, yeah. writing and, you know... And my, my favourite Stephen King story of all time... Yes. ...is that the legend goes, and it's a bit of an Adelaide legend here in South Australia, uh-huh. is that he landed here at some stage in the 80s and he refused to get off the plane. And, like, they're saying, like, why don't you want to get off the plane? Because it was a layover. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, I get bad spooky vibes from this town, man. Like, like I reckon it's just like he looked out the window and he saw our shit-ass airport and just was like... <laughs> Fuck that. They've got a bar on the plane. I am not getting off in this fucking dust bowl. Oh, but no. <laughs> like, I, Stephen, you have to get up. No, there's ghosts. No, I reckon he could. He used his, like, horror sense. He could sense. He knows the serial killer capital of a country when he lands in it. Yeah, that's true. On layover. So, yeah, there you go. That is the rather and all of that see that's what i love about life is just those like weird and this is why i go walking at night uh nobody else do it because there's like sickos and weirdos out there but you just see parts of the city that you just don't see during the day and just and i'm sure like you know the hotel when it's full of people it has a much different atmosphere yeah 
and just you just literally just being in you know the wrong place you know just before the storm leaves <laughs> him in another wrong place this hotel right before it shuts down <laughs> to create pure gold yeah though you know life is weird it is you need to take some advice from the movie because all play all work and no play Makes Liz a dull girl. You need to get outside and oh. stop trying to be attacked by walking the streets at night. <laughs> oh my god! Don't victim like no. I'm trying to like. I'm trying to take in like the smell of the city and of its of its. Of oh, its what are you a fucking 1930s detective? Of its like of its dark beating heart of filth and inequity. Oh, on your training day with Alonzo, and he's going to make you smoke PCP before you arrest Snoop Dogg. You got to drink in the streets, brother. Not until we get that one and a half million dollar run rum money. That is true. Ah, but anyway, on the. Uh, so we're going into the walking tour business, are we? Yeah. One and a half million dollars a year, we are. You know, we're not going to make that. <laughs> we, <laughs> not we'll, with that attitude. We'll make like 1500 bucks a year. We just need to do 11 tours a night every night. <laughs> For and, 30 bucks. And create, that's US, so yeah. $60 Australian. And just create like a whole, like, you know, theatrical, literal, literature, you know, uh, masterpiece um, <laughs> that, you know, people become obsessed with over for decades. And then we do 13 tours a night and shut up, I have a dream. This is way better than trying to start a hot sauce company. And that dream involves a ghostly cowboy mothman because ghostly cowboy mothmen eat the carpet. I reckon we can find you a ghostly cowboy mothman at our live show for Halloween. Details to be announced soon. But we're going to make a thing of it. Just some some guy who's just chucked or a lesbian in sensible shoes is just going to tip a tin of white paint over themselves and be like, yeah, ride it, my pony. Is that what you think lesbians speak like? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Have you never been to Bunnings? <laughs> Don't be a hater. You're such I'm a not hater. a hater. I'm a big ally. I'm a, oh, big, old, big, I'm a big old beard. You're a big old slut. That's what you are. I wish. <laughs> I'm happily, happily domesticated. Oh, God. I don't know. We, we should ask Lou if she wants to put up with it. But you know. <sighs> I don't know why she does. Because there's no no in necrophilia. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but details of the Halloween show coming soon. Yes. <laughs> Merch coming soon. Website coming soon. Patreon coming soon. Mm. Ghosts and- coming soon. <laughs> Oh, my God. Prep maybe in the corner of your hotel uh, room. Oh, my love. Oh, red rum. <laughs> red rum.